All right. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that's called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is October the 7th, and we are continuing to work our way through the book of Acts together. Um, we are in Acts chapter number 21, I believe. Acts chapter number 21. Let's see. Uh, last time we were together... Um, we got down to uh, verse number 25. So, all right. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Scott. God bless you guys. Hope you're doing well today. It's a little nippy here in uh, Central Virginia. I think it's in the lower 50s. Um, I love fall, man. The leaves are starting to change. It's uh, it's beautiful for sure. So, uh, nothing wrong with fall. Fall's a beautiful time of year. Um, all right, so last time yesterday we did 15 through 25. So today we're going to pick up, let's see, we are in chapter number 21. This is where uh, Paul is visiting with James in Jerusalem. He's finally made it back to Jerusalem. Uh, he's been talking about trying to get back to Jerusalem. He's here. And just for a little context, we'll just pick up and read in verse number 17, then we'll get down in verse number 25 and start start commentating. How's that? <laughs> uh, when they were coming to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Well, so far, so good. <laughs> oh, uh, it was pretty much uh, all downhill from there. Um, and the day uh, the brethren received us gladly, and the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. So they're at the church in Jerusalem. And when they had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And of course, they are much more concerned with Paul's ministry to the Gentiles because that was the agreement that they had reached at the Jerusalem Council that they would continue preaching the kingdom gospel to uh, the nation of Israel while Paul would um, would begin to uh, or take his ministry of grace to the Gentiles. And of course, Paul preached to both. <clears throat> they were all over the place, but they were particularly interested in what God was doing among the Gentiles. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous for the law. So as Paul is given an update about what God, God is doing among the Gentiles, they uh, give an update about what God is continuing to do among the Jews. And he sa they say there's many thousands of them which believe. Believe what? Um, which believe the kingdom gospel, and they are zealous of the law. Zealous of the law? Um, what's there to celebrate there? I thought we wasn't under the law. Well, if you take the Acts 2 model, then, yeah, there's a problem here. Uh, and you're going to have to do some kind of explaining about what's going on there. Well, there's nothing to explain away here. Um, they were preaching a kingdom gospel, which was still very much under Mosaic law. And Paul was preaching a grace gospel, which was not. It, it's pretty much that simple. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews. Who's they? Um, the, the Jews which were believing and were zealous of the law. 
the Jews that had, had, had accepted the kingdom gospel, the king and his kingdom, they are the ones that are informed of you, Paul, that you're teaching all the Jews, which are among the Gentiles, to forsake Moses. And you're telling them that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after their customs. What is it there for? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Now, again, the, the elders and James, they're not the one accusing Paul here. Uh, they're saying that the Jews that had believed and were zealous for the law, they were hearing rumors that Paul was teaching the, teaching the Jews. They didn't care what he was teaching the Gentiles, but that he was teaching the Jews to forsake Moses, saying they ought not to circumcise their children and to walk after the customs. <clears throat> what is it, therefore, the multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that you are come. In other words, you better prepare an answer, because they're going to ask. Do therefore this, that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. So now they're, they're organizing this, uh, this, um, this photo op, if you will, to prove that Paul was not teaching the Jews, to forsake the law of Moses. We have these four men which have taken the same vow that you've taken, which was obviously, it appears to be a Nazarite vow. Uh, the text is becoming a little clearer here. I mean, I, I, I don't know, we're 90-ish percent positive this was a Nazarite vow. Uh, take them, these four guys, and purify yourself with them, and be at charges with them, and they will shave their heads. Now, remember, Paul had already shaved his head back in chapter 18, verse number 8. He, chapter 18, verse number 18, he had already taken this Nazarite vow. And all may know that those things whereof they, they being the believing Jews, were informed concerning thee are nothing. In other words, that it's not true that you're teaching the Jews to forsake the law of Moses and to not circumcise their children and to not walk according to the customs but that thou thyself also walkest orderly in your keeping the law. And understand, Paul was Jewish. He was a Jew. And in this very unique period of time, Paul is preaching both a kingdom gospel and a grace gospel. And as touching the Gentiles, which believe, we have written and concluded. Now, as touching the Gentiles, I believe, in other words, they're kind of going back to Paul's original update about what God is doing among the Gentiles with the grace gospel, Paul's gospel, his ministry. We, as in regards to them, we believe, which believe, believe what? The grace gospel. We have written and concluded that they observe no such thing. In other words, they don't have to keep the law of Moses, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. And, of course, that's exactly what they told them at the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter number 15. Um, and again, I mentioned this yesterday, the more I study, the more confused I am that most of the church today simply cannot see this. It's right in front of them, but I have mercy and I have compassion because I did the same thing. Uh, we all approach the scripture with a filter that is usually given to us. Um, we don't take the time to 
study it for ourselves. You know, who was it? Chuck Swindoll said life is 99% perspective and 1% reality. Um, but we see what we want to see. Uh, we see what we are taught to see. So when we are told this happened in Acts chapter 2, we make sure that everything we, we read and understand later conforms with that. Um, but it's clearer and clearer to me every day without hesitation that there is simply no grounds to assume that there is only one gospel. Uh, they are obviously talking about two different gospels. And Paul uh, was the minister to the Gentiles, but he also preached the kingdom gospel. Now, some mid-Acts um, right dividers will say Paul only preached one gospel since his conversion in Acts 9. I just don't see that. I Paul preached the kingdom gospel clearly to me all the way through Acts 28. Matter of fact, very last verse, he's still talking about preaching the kingdom of God. Um, but something changed, I think, when Paul reached Rome and more revelation was given to him. The nation of Israel, you know, had rejected um, the kingdom gospel. Paul was unable to heal. The sign gifts were disappearing, and I believe they did uh, disappear. Um, you know, even Paul himself couldn't heal Trophimus that he left in Miletium sick. Um, this is a transitional period. The book of Acts has to be viewed as a transition. Uh, if it's not, then, you know, like I said, um, you know, you look at the difference between the, uh, you know, uh, theories of interpretation such as covenant versus dispensational. It all comes down to the book of Acts. When you look at the various difference between the denominations, it all comes down to the book of Acts and how the book of Acts is translated. Uh, interpreted. Notice verse 26. Then Paul took the men and the next day purified himself and with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. Now we see Paul doing exactly what was suggested by his Jewish brethren. Why would Paul do this if Paul had rejected the Mosaic law? Why would Paul do this if he did not if he was not concerned that his Jewish brethren had had were thinking that he had rejected the kingdom gospel, why would he do this? If he if he didn't believe that, obviously he did, and he was concerned about it, and he still went into the te temple, so he did it publicly with other Jews to demonstrate that he was not teaching that they the Jews should forsake the law. Of Moses. And again, we suspect, suspect, suspect <laughs> that this was a Nazarite vow that's mentioned in, in Numbers chapter number six. That means that he was sacrificing a lamb as a sin offering. In Numbers 6.14, and he shall offer his offering unto the Lord, one he lamb of the first year, without blemish for a burnt offering, and a ewe lamb of the first year without blemish of for a sin offering and one ram without blemish for peace offerings. Paul's doing all these offerings and, and making sacrifices in the temple. I mean, how do you justify that? Paul, I mean, it's, it's obvious that Paul, uh, that the Jews were still very much under the law. 
So what about those who say that there is one gospel at this point? Making sacrifice in the temples hardly goes along with the gospel of grace. Why would Paul do this? Because the kingdom gospel required it. And that's the thing. That's why those who believe this way are called right dividers. Again, you're not dividing error from truth. You're dividing truth from truth. They're both truth. The kingdom gospel is true. The grace gospel is true. What James says is true in regards to keeping the law. And what Paul says in regards to we are free from the law is true. The question is, what audience are they addressing? James is addressing the nation of Israel, who were still very much under the law, who were still in the temple, who were still keeping sacrifices. And Paul was addressing Gentiles, who were free from the law. Notice in verse number 27, And when the seven days were almost ended, uh, the Jews, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, not in a good way, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. And further, he's brought Greeks into the temple and hath polluted this place. So it didn't work. Um the seven days, and when seven days were almost ended, this is a reference to the time required under the Nazarite vow. Um, in Numbers chapter 6, uh, verse number 9, And if any man die very suddenly by him, he hath defiled his head of his consecration, then he shall shave his head in the day of his cleansing. And the Sabbath, so there's seven days involved there, um, a little bit of, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth on what, if it's, if it's referring to that or if it's referring to the Sabbath to the Sabbath. I'm not sure there, but most commentators, I think I got that from Barnes, uh, says the reference to the time required under the Nazarite vow. And the Jews, which were of Asia, who are the Jews? These are most likely uh, the ones that had caused him all the problems. In the, previous, in the previous chapters, in, in Acts 19.9, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing. So these divers that were hardened, these who caused the problems up in uh, Ephesus, uh, had followed him uh, down into uh, Jerusalem, apparently, and that wasn't the first time they had followed him from place to place. Um and their charges were that Paul teacheth all men everywhere against the people, that's the Jews, and against the law of Moses, and this place, that's referring to the temple, and further brought Greeks also in the temple and hath polluted this. So understand that the context of their accusations is distinctly Jewish. There are two things that are obvious to me. They are accusing his message uh, of the to the Gentiles, follow this, okay? They are accusing his message to the Gentiles as the same that he was preaching to the Jews, which it wasn't. His message to the Gentiles did not require the keeping of the Mosaic law, did not require circumcision, circumcision did not require abiding by the customs. Uh, so this accusation alone, at least in my opinion, proves that Paul preached two Gospels. 
because they were only listening to the gospel that he gave to the Gentiles, not the one that he gave to the Jews. Um, this should give a moment of pause to those who insist on one gospel. If there is only one gospel, then Paul is guilty of everything that he is being accused of. So why would Paul try to prove uh, that he wasn't doing what he was really doing? Um, I mean, again, read the text. Read, you know, uh, it's obvious that Paul was preaching two gospels, and these people were 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 confused. They were taking the gospel that he was preaching to the Gentiles and saying that he was preaching the same one to the Jews. He was not. He was still preaching the kingdom gospel to the Jews. And then secondly, the last charge that he brought Greeks into the temple was patently false, as Luke will explain in the next verse. In parentheses here, for they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. So again, everything they're leveling against Paul in these verses is wrong. He was not teaching every man everywhere um, against the Jews and the law and the temple. He was teaching the Gentiles the grace gospel, and it was not against the Jewish people, but he was telling them they didn't have to keep the law and they didn't have to make sacrifice. Again, they they were... They were accusing, they were, what's the word? They were accusing his message to the Gentiles, or they were confusing his message to the Gentiles as the same that he preached to the Jews. And this was not so. Just that very accusation and, the, and just Paul trying to prove that means that Paul preached two different gospels. I mean, come on. Um, I don't, again, I did it. So <laughs> I, I, I can't be uh, too harsh there. And then notice in verse number 30, and all the city were moved and people ran together and they took Paul and they drew him out of the temple and forthwith the doors were shut. So they're responding with this pandemonium that he experienced in Ephesus uh, from, uh, from the, you know, uh, who was that? Demetrius, the silversmith, um, with, about in regards to Diana. Uh, I mean, they're just you know, people didn't know what was going on. They were just following the crowd. It's crazy. People are running together. I mean, who needs facts <laughs> at this point? I mean, sounds like the morons that are running around today, doesn't it? Um, um, just that they get caught up in it uh, and they don't even know what's going on. Uh, they've got half truths here and there. They're just, what, what, this guy is preaching against the Jews, and he's preaching we, we shouldn't keep the law of, my, law of Moses, you know. And, and, of course, now the whole city is moved. So this is not only, from what I can gather here, the believing Jews, but now the unbelieving Jews are involved. Um, and that word, were moved, means agitated. They were agitated. And as a result, they took Paul and they drew him out of the temple. Now, you don't need to do your homework here, folks, because the <laughs> they were going to kill him. Uh, their plan was to drag him out of the temple and stone him, just as they had done to Stephen. Um, uh, 
again, you know, we just, we can't get caught up in this stuff. Um, I sound like I'm talking about today's political situation, but I'm not. Um, you know, what does it say? Believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. <laughs> Uh, they were agitated. That literally means stirred up. They were stirred up. They were whipped into a frenzy because of the accusations. They were religious zealots, make no, no doubt about it. Um, and as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band uh, and that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. So their motivations are clear in regards to what they intended to do to Paul. They were going to do the same thing they did to Stephen in Acts chapter number 7. And this captain immediately took the soldiers and the centurions, and he ran unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left off beating Paul. <laughs> Man, you think we got it bad. Uh, then the chief captain came near, and he took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Well, now we see that Agabus was not a false prophet. Uh, in Acts 21.10, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and his feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him unto the hands of the Gentiles. Well, that's happened. That's happened. So, all right, guys. Um, that's all I've got for today. Uh see make sure uh, everything's going well there it almost looks like the screen's locked up but i don't think it has so but god bless you guys hope you have a great day and uh, i'll see you tomorrow lord willing uh at 6 30 a.m and we will pick up in verse number 34